Hey, listeners. Welcome to Under the Moon Tower. We're here listening to the lulls of Mopac, which you can almost imagine are the waves of the ocean here in the Zilker Botanical Gardens. <laughs> I don't know if they describe it. <laughs> My imagination is stretching, but it's great. We're under the trees. We've just had a lovely walk through the Taniguchi Gardens. Thank you, Karen, from our last episode, who pointed out this hidden gem to us. Um, it's really, really beautiful here. It is. We're sitting amidst the oaks right now, and we have been through various facets of the garden. It's great if you have little ones. It's great if you have out-of-towners, people that love gardening and different vegetation. I think we saw three different kinds of lizards and a water snake and butterflies yeah. and all sorts of beautiful nature on this uh, bluebird day here in the ATX. So um, definitely check this out um, when you have a chance. The admission was like, what, six bucks? Six bucks. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah. yeah. And here's the, here's the kicker. So we're doing this intro for our next episode, but we don't actually know who our next episode is yet because we raced over here right after we interviewed Karen because we're excited to check it out. So it's a surprise who's coming right after this, and we hope you will enjoy it as much as we will. Guess who? Welcome to Under the Moon Tower, a podcast where we delve into Austin's unique people and places beyond what you might find on a city's top 10 list. Welcome to Under the Moon Tower, everyone. I am really excited about our guest today. He is going to share some history with us. And I think, listeners, you will be surprised about what you didn't know exists in your own backyard. And before we get into today's topic, I want to acknowledge the incredible bio of our guest. Lifelong Texas Longhorn and four-year college tennis player for the Horns, our guest went on to a successful career in Washington, D.C., where he practiced tax and regulatory law and moved back to Austin a little over a decade ago. He's originally from Houston, and he has stories upon stories of working in D.C. He knows or has met everyone and or played them in tennis, um, including our own Under the Moon Tower host, Carrie Mayer. They put that together in this process that they had met in D.C. 20 years ago. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that he and his wife have mentored over 100 young adults or pseudo-godchildren, as he would call them, during their stay in D.C., which I think speaks volumes to the generosity of spirit he possesses. And I had the pleasure of meeting our guest via a mutual friend who describes him as a lexical ninja. And indeed, I think you will find he has a way with words. I have discovered that his superpower is his ability to connect with anyone in a genuine and enthusiastic way. He's been incredibly kind to us, and today he's going to share perspectives from his current role as one of three keepers of the tombs, so to speak, at the Texas State Cemetery, where he and two other appointed individuals form the committee that decides who is worthy of resting their bones in this unique place. So please welcome to Under the Moon Tower today, Jim Bayless. Jim, welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for taking the time to connect with us again. Listeners, your 
you're in for a treat. Uh, we want to get right into it. So for our listeners who do not know, could you explain what the Texas State Cemetery is, what the significance is of Texas having a state cemetery, and how individuals are selected for burial in the grounds? Yes. First, I appreciate having a captive audience. I love that. The Texas State Cemetery, in short, is a museum of Texas history like no other. Only Texas has a burial ground to honor its heroes and other luminaries. Texas State Cemetery is located in East Austin, just a half a mile uh, from downtown Austin, in between 7th and 11th Streets. It is a jewel in the crown of Texas's rich history, spanning all eras of Texas history from pre-revolutionary times to modern day Texas. It has been there since 1851. And in keeping with the theme of Under the Moon Tower, it is one of the best kept secrets in the state, but it shouldn't be. It is an active cemetery, despite it's being around for 172 years. It's about 70 to 75% full. It is not a military cemetery only, like Arlington National Cemetery outside of Washington. It is open to the public 365 days a year. It is a remarkable, local, proximate visit for any Texan or non-Texan to learn more about the state in which they live and the unique history that Texas, once a nation itself, has. With regard to your questions, and these are the two basic questions that I'm always asked, who gets to be buried there and who in the world decides that? Well, the answer to the first question as to who gets to be buried there is twofold. The legislature wrote the rules. There are two routes to be buried at the state cemetery. One is if you are an automatically eligible person, namely members of the state legislature. Funny how it, it is that they wrote the rules. Or a state elected <laughs> official, statewide elected official, uh, such as a U.S. Senator from Texas or a Supreme Court Justice. You also get your spouse if there is a person who is de deemed eligible, but it's not a family cemetery, so it's not children along with mom and dad. The other route is if you're not an automatic statewide elected official or, let's say, uh, the subject of a uh, gubernatorial proclamation or a legislative resolution that uh, says that Ann Harrington should be buried there. Then it falls to the committee, the Texas State Cemetery Committee, of which I am one of three members. These three members are appointed by the governor, but in my case and in the case of one of the other two members, I was recommended by the Speaker of the House, Joe Strauss. The other person was recommended by the Lieutenant Governor, and this uh, method is in statute. And the Governor himself ratifies those recommendations of Lieutenant Governor and the Speaker of the House. And I've served on the committee for two terms. This is like my 12th year. And I'm very engaged, very active uh, in terms of giving tours. And I just absolutely uh, love the Lone Star lore. We know where all the bodies are buried, uh, quite literally. People who are buried there are people you've heard of, people you've never heard of, uh, rogues and scoundrels, because after all, that's what makes Texas, Texas. 
The names that you have heard of are, let's start with the father of Texas, Stephen F. Austin, a number of Republic of Texas era heroes, 14 governors, such as Governor John Connolly, Ann Richards, Ma and Pa Ferguson, I'll get to them later, to modern day Texas. The last man to walk on the moon was astronaut Gene Cernan, 1972, Apollo 17. There are writers, jurists, musicians, athletes, ranchers, philanthropists, businessmen, military heroes, uh, Herb Kelleher, the founder of Southwest Airlines, Ken Starr, former independent counsel and president of Baylor University. An obscure name you have not heard of that I'll go into a little bit later is Josiah Wilbarger. Who in the world is he? Well, I'll tell you later. There are a number of Confederate generals, an enormous number of Confederate veterans, only a few of which were actually killed in the Civil War. The predominant part of the Confederate field are those Confederate veterans who lived in an indigent home in Austin. And then as they would gradually die, they'd be buried at the state cemetery. That's the largest subset of the population of the cemetery, which is about 5,000 people who are buried there uh, presently. And about half of those are Confederate veterans. You have Congressional Medal of Honor recipients. And then uh, well, you have 30 Texas Rangers. There are a number of other memorials that are not dedicated to individuals, but are monuments to honor military heroes, uh, Texans who were killed on 9-11, you know, all the wars in the history of the United States uh, across time, all branches of service, civil rights figures, primarily the black legislators who were elected during Reconstruction following the Civil War, during which period most of the civil rights legislation was enacted. Josiah Wilbarger, whom I mentioned earlier, the man who would not die. He was a settler outside of what is now Bastrop. He was on a uh, hunting party with some friends. They were attacked by the Native Americans. His colleagues were uh, murdered. He was shot twice with arrows in each hip and in each leg. He was then scalped and left for dead. He did not die. He shinnied back to the nearest house on the frontier, which was a couple of miles away. He lived for another 12 years. He was working at his house one day and rose suddenly and hit the exposed part of his head where the skull was missing, and he died instantly. Josiah Wilbarger, the man who would not die. There's Wilbarger Creek outside of Bastrop and Wilbarger County, where Vernon, Texas is located. You hear these stories about people surviving horrible wounds and injuries pre-germ um, theory, pre-antibiotics, right? <laughs> all this stuff. It's just kind of amazing. And then that he got 12 years without hitting his head. I mean, he basically had an exposed brain. Indeed. And, Indeed. And it's kind of remarkable. Because it's, because it's one of the goriest stories on display yeah. at State Cemetery. Young boys revel in that. The more blood, the oh, better. Oh, I bet they do. On school sure. tours. Exactly. Yeah, I bet they do. And <laughs> here's a colorful fellow like none other. Again, Trivial Pursuits uh, answer. Ashbel Smith. He's the father of the University of Texas. He's the father of Texas medicine. You know, a few characters flash like a meteor across the pages of history. He was basically Texas's first Renaissance man. 
He was a linguist, a scientist, a physician, a writer, a soldier, a diplomat, a statesman, and an educator. He was a friend of Samuel F.B. Morse, the inventor of the telegraph. He was a friend of French General Lafayette. He was a close friend and indeed roommate of Sam Houston. He paved the way for Texas to enter the Union. He was appointed by President Sam Houston to be the envoy on behalf of the Republic of Texas to the court of St. James's in England and to France. He danced with Queen Victoria. He lunched with Napoleon III. He was the first president of the University of Texas Board of Regents. He championed public education for black people and women. He founded the precursor of Prairie View A&M and he was the founder of what is now the UT Medical Branch in Galveston. That's all that he did. Mm. Now, here are two other trivial items. James Sylvester and Joel Robison. Who in the world were they? They were the two scouts that Sam Houston sent out on a search party at the Battle of San Jacinto to apprehend the fleeing Mexicans. They unwittingly captured a Mexican who was hiding near a creek. They put him on the back of their horse, take him back to the makeshift POW camp at San Jacinto, whereupon the other captured Mexican soldiers started bowing down. El Presidente, El Presidente. Sylvester and Robinson unwittingly had captured Santa Ana, the leader of the Mexican forces and president of Mexico. There's also Susanna Dickinson, who is memorialized by means of what is called a cenotaph, which means a marker for someone who is buried elsewhere. Nonetheless, Susanna Dickinson is honored at the Texas State Cemetery. She was the survivor of the Alamo, along with her infant daughter, Angelina, parenthetically, as in Angelina County, Texas. Actually, that time period actually brings us to somebody that, that really stood out and that have fascinating stories. Will you talk a little bit about the Texas Lone Star flag designer, Joanna Troutman? Yes. Because that kind of weaves into the story that you just were sharing. So Indeed. It, it would well, be helpful, I think, for listeners perfect, to hear. Perfect timing. Great minds running the same channel because I was about to get to <laughs> Joanna Troutman. Again, uh, minutia name of all time. Who was Joanna Troutman? She was a 17-year-old seamstress in Macon, Georgia, at the time of the outbreak of the Texas Revolution. Freedom and liberation from Mexico was a hot item nationwide at the time. So many Southern states gathered militia to go to Texas to help the Texans win their independence. Joanna Troutman, a seamstress, was on fire with liberty. She decided, well, the Georgia militia hastily put together, can't go into battle without a flag. So she sewed a huge silk, white silk flag with a five-point blue star on the bottom of one side, liberty or death. She is known as Texas's Betsy Ross. She designed what forever and ever thereafter was known as the Lone Star of Texas. That flag was carried by the Georgia militia into the Battle of Goliad and the Battle of Gonzales. The Goliad Massacre 
was where 300 Texans were killed. That's twice the fatalities of the Alamo. So Janet Troutman never set foot in the state of Texas, but after she died, uh, Governor Culberson was a Georgian steeped in history, and he had the body of Janet Troutman disinterred and reinterred at Texas State Cemetery, where she is in fact buried to this day. On the side of the monument to Joanna Troutman are bronze plaques listing all of the uh, members of the Georgia militia who were murdered at Goliad and the Battle of Gonzales. Um, yeah. I was going to say, you know, one thing I noticed, so, so for our listeners, Jim was so gracious and he gave Carrie and I a tour of the cemetery and we spent two delightful hours going around learning all these different stories. And there really are, there's so many. And Jim knows all of them. You are a wealth of information. One of the things I noticed when we were on that tour, Jim, was that there's a difference in the monuments. You know, some monuments are sort of small and humble, very simple. And some are really, really grandiose. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, like, how do some people get giant ones and some people have smaller ones and and what are some of the ones that stand out that are funny well th that is absolutely correct and uh, uh, the answer to your question is that the committee the august three-person panel <laughs> of which I'm a member we adhere to a certain dimensional limitations uh, there's a height limitation and a width limitation, and we also have the power to veto designs or you know, statements that are uh, engraved that are unbecoming, and it has to be tasteful, but it, it certainly can be humorous. But with regard to your immediate question, there's a section in the southwest quadrant of the state cemetery that's known as Republic Hill, and that is where uh, the Republic of Texas heroes are buried, Stephen F. Austin and a great number of other recognizable names. There are no limitations to Republic Hill, and that quadrant is uh, full, so there aren't any violations now, but there are some pretty majestic monuments, starting, of course, with Stephen F. Austin, which is a, uh, on top of which is a, a beautiful sculpture of Stephen F. Austin done by the great Italian sculptor Copini, and Copini also designed and sculpted uh, Littlefield Fountain. Uh, at the University of Texas, and a number of other uh, famous statuary around the state. The most remarkable, enormous tribute to self, as I call it, uh, belongs to Edmund J. Davis. General Edmund J. Davis was a Union general. Now, this is at a time during Reconstruction after the Civil War. The Union military and Union leadership of the United States basically imposed Edmund J. Davis as governor. He was despised as the former Union general that he was. Texans chafed under the fact that they had lost the Civil War. Edmund J. Davis's reputation was in tatters. He ran for re-election and got slaughtered in re-election by Richard Koch. He refused to leave the office of governor. Does this sound familiar? to you. You think history repeats itself? <laughs> Edmund J. Davis barricaded himself in his office in the state capitol, citing the illegality and fraudulent nature of the election. One 
bizarre departure from his Civil War days and gubernatorial days is that after he was finally removed from office, uh, he ran for political office again. He was considered to be the vice presidential running mate of James A. Garfield in 1880. But James A. Garfield decided as his running mate, Chester Allen Arthur instead. Well, Garfield was assassinated in his first year as presidency. Chester Allen Arthur becomes president. Had James A. Garfield chosen Edmund J. Davis at the convention to be his running mate, then Edmund J. Davis would have been president of the United States. In any case, that did not work out. He died. His brother, in order to redeem the tattered reputation of his now deceased governor, Union General brother, erected the tallest monument to State Cemetery, far taller than that of Stephen F. Austin, in order to repair his sullied reputation. It is amazing the number of people of distinction who have been at the Texas State Cemetery. So yeah, should... some, of, some of the other names there that people might recognize and not realize are buried there. Um, James Michener. Yes. Who famous and very prolific author, uh, Frank J. Doby, who's a folklorist, local storyteller. He's written a ton about the state of Texas, and you may have heard of him. Um, Jerry Jeff Walker, musician, is there, and he's got his logo on his tomb, just like many people I know had on their T-shirts when I was in college. Um, Sarah Weddington, she Sarah, had a, yep. her whole professional bio was on her tombstone um, yeah so sarah the, weddington was the lawyer who argued roe versus wade in the 70s for those who don't know and she mm -hmm. has a giant tombstone with her resume on it basically yep. which is yep. kind of interesting and then one other couple i want you to talk about jim before we get to our last couple questions is the mom pa ferguson yes they are one of those fascinating Texas stories that if people aren't from here or they don't know their Texas history, they haven't heard of them. And it's kind of just unbelievable. Truly. It's like something you would see on television in some throwback Western or something. Truly. Is these, well, these characters. Yeah. Paul Ferguson uh, was elected governor. He was a complete populist uh, out of Salado, Texas. And this is in the late teens. And he was, like any other you know, redistributionist, he was the, the friend of the farmer. And he got crosswise with the legislature in a big way uh, early in his gubernatorial term over uh, the University of Texas faculty. He wanted the uh, administration to get rid of certain faculty members that he disapproved of. And the legislature fought back and he vetoed the entire appropriation of the University of Texas. Well, this did not sit well with the legislature, needless to say. And there were other acts of corruption. He was a, a prolific issuer of pardons, perhaps exceeded by his wife who followed him in the governor's mansion. She uh, averaged 300 pardons per month of convicted felons many of which were compensated back to her. This was her, uh, her retirement strategy. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so uh, there was a lot of shenanigans going on. Paul Ferguson, though, is notorious as having been the only governor who was impeached, convicted, and thrown out of office. 
later, not immediately, but soon thereafter, his wife uh, ran for office with his help. Her campaign slogan was, you get two for one. And so she was not exactly pure as a driven snow and issued pardons and had tremendous fraud in highway contracts and other uh, all too familiar acts of corruption in public office. They were populists and they were for the little guy. We really felt like we got a taste of a lot of Texas history from politicians to, uh, you know, military uh, heroes. And then there were some, not only their monuments that were really interesting, but that spread into other industry verticals or professions, if you will. And one of those that struck us was Willie El Diablo Wells, as well as um, Gene Cernan, Mm -hmm. because of their locations and their monuments in the cemetery. Can can you share their stories too? Absolutely. Willie Wells was a very famous baseball player in the Negro League before integration of Major League Baseball. He is enshrined at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. He's a native of Austin. His nickname was El Diablo because he was mean as a snake. He would cut the tips out of his baseball glove and put sharpened shards of brick in his fingertips. And he would tag out an opposing runner. He would cut him. Uh, When he would steal second base, he would do so with his legs flying, having sharpened the spikes on his shoes so he would try to gore the shortstop. The opposing teams took uh, a dim view of this. And so when he was at bat, they would try to bean him. He invented the batting helmet. <laughs> uh, so it is a, a rather colorful... Necessity is the mother of invention. Correct. It, it is right. a rather colorful cast. Gene Cernan, the astronaut, the last man to walk on the moon that Carrie mentions passed away in 2017. Gene Cernan was a a regular old guy. He lived in Houston like a lot of former astronauts do. And he had a ranch outside of Kerrville and where he raised the Longhorns. And so if he didn't fly his Cessna to go visit his Longhorns uh, from Houston, he would drive and go by Austin on purpose uh, in order to visit with the staff at the state cemetery. He was big buds with the staff. And one day he did so, and he wanted to pick the location of his plots for him and his wife. And so he was on the golf cart that you two were with me, and we were driving him around to select locations for the whereabouts of the plots uh, where he would like to spend eternity. And we asked him, uh, Captain Cernan, do you see any uh, part of the cemetery you like better than any other? And he says, oh, I don't care. I'm going to be dead. And then he pauses. Then he gets this big grin on his face. And he says, well, you know, come to think of it, I just like to be buried at a place that's closest to the moon. Sure enough, Gene Cernan is buried at the top of the tallest hill across these 18 acres because it is closest to the moon. At his burial service, um, I was milling about the assembled mourners in the gallery before the burial service began. It was an elaborate affair. Uh, There was a Navy jet flyover, 21-gun salute, hundreds of Texas Rangers on horseback. I was walking through the gallery, and there's this gentleman 
who stuck out his hand and he said, uh, hi, I'm Jim Lovell, the savior of Apollo 13. He introduces me to the lady wow. standing next to him, Mrs. Neil Armstrong. Kind of amazing. Tom Landry, famous Longhorn football star and legendary Dallas Cowboy coach, also memorialized at State Cemetery by means of a, a cenotaph. The perhaps most conspicuous, though, is Bob Bullock. Bob Bullock, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, and before that, longtime comptroller of public accounts. Bob Bullock is the reason that the Texas State Cemetery is as beautiful a place as it is. I love that. In the mid-90s, he attended a burial of a dear friend of his who was in the legislature, Harry Whitworth. At the time, the Texas State Cemetery was in complete disrepair. Dirt, no grass, rocks, roots, branches. He said, this is a blight on the state of Texas. It is imperative that we beautify this into the jewel of Texas history. And it is thus. His widow, Jan, told me that of, the, of everything that Bob Bullock had done in his 40-year public service career, he was most proud of the Texas State Cemetery. Not the eponymous Bob Bullock Texas History Museum, but the Texas State Cemetery. One footnote on Bob Bullock. Having been comptroller of public accounts, which at the federal level would be the equivalent of being head of Office of Management and Budget, Bob Bullock knew where every penny could be found. Given the upcoming renovation in the mid-90s, a three-year uh, remodeling of the state cemetery to beautify it, he knew that if a highway traversed a famous historic site, that 80% of the construction and renovation costs would be picked up by the federal government. So of the $5 million cost of the renovation, Four million of it was picked up by the good citizens of Montana, Ohio, New Hampshire, and other states. So Bob Bullock knew how to stretch a dollar. That road that goes through the center of the Texas State Cemetery has a highway number. It's Highway 165, the shortest highway in the state of Texas, and is the only highway in the state of Texas that closes every day at 5 p.m. So Bob Bullock <laughs> lives on and he is buried just a matter of feet away from Stephen F. Austin on Republic Hill. And there's one other fella, if we advance through uh, history, is let's call it the age of global terrorism. And that is the monument and burial site of Chris Kyle, whose name many people will recognize, the Navy SEAL and sniper, the hero and centerpiece of the movie American Sniper. He was the most lethal sniper with over 150 kills during Operation Iraqi Freedom and other battles in the Middle East. That is the most visited grave today, by far, at the Texas State Cemetery. Now, if you can tolerate another sector of the State Cemetery, and that is monuments, not to individuals, but to groups of people. Many of them are military. There is a 9-11 memorial for the Texans who uh, were killed uh, on September 11, 2001. 
In addition, there is a black legislators monument to honor members of the legislator, legislature who helped pass a great deal of the civil rights legislation, as I mentioned earlier. There is a monument, an obelisk to the, uh, put by the Texas Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution. And there are a number of monuments to veterans, like the Nine Men of Praha, which was basically a parallel story uh, to the movie Saving Private Ryan, a Vietnam War Monument, and others. Quit with, with another Bob Bullet expression that says it all. He was very big on making sure the Texas State Cemetery was indeed, as I said at the outset, a museum of Texas history like no other. As he pointed out, kids can learn more about Texas history in a single afternoon at the Texas State Cemetery than they can in a whole semester of class. Quote, unquote, 15 to 20,000 school children come through the Texas State Cemetery every year. So I encourage each of you listeners to make a trip to the State Cemetery. And if I were your tour guide, I promise to keep it under five hours. Oh, that's great, Jim. You gave a really thorough review of all the things, uh, Texas State Cemetery. Thank you. It really is a rich history. And um, uh, just so our listeners know how they can engage with the space, it's open 365 days a year from when to when eight to five and are there eight to five and are there tour guides on yes the site? there are the the Texas okay. State cemetery is under the auspices of the state preservation board which is the umbrella organization that that tends to the other historic properties uh in austin namely the okay. state capitol building the governor's mansion mm -hmm. and the bullock texas history museum and the most recent addition to that collection is the texas state cemetery and so the State Preservation Board has guides uh, there all the time. There are recordings that you can take along with you in self-guided tour. But it is, a, it is a feast of Texas history. And I think that every Texan really owes it to himself or herself to make a trip. And it's very convenient. You can fall off a log if you live in Austin, Texas. Well, I'm a, a granddaughter, a daughter, and a sister of funeral directors. And I must say going on this tour was the most intriguing and interesting. You know, you can walk through a cemetery and not know people's stories. And I think it's really a delight that the Texas State Cemetery actually has individuals that can provide that knowledge that buttresses or elaborates on someone's visit. So um, really, thank you so much for being so generous with your time, Jim. At the end of each of our episodes, we ask our guests a few lightning round questions about their favorite local experiences. And we were going to do the same with you if you're ready. We're ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. Top three grave sites in the Texas State Cemetery. Personally, Gene Cernan, the last man to walk on the moon, located at a place that is closest to the moon, top of a hill. <clears throat> Stephen F. Austin, father of Texas. Albert Sidney Johnston, famous general and hero uh, of the Confederacy. There are so many categories. Uh, remember that this is far from being simply a military cemetery. You can tell from the variety of biographies that I've gone over, if you have brought distinction upon the state of Texas, 
the statutory language in order to qualify is, have you made a significant impact on the history of the state? Then that is the litmus test. And granted, that is a very subjective evaluation. But we three members of the Texas State Cemetery Committee uh, adhere very strictly to the statutory provisions. And we take our jobs you know, very soberly and try to do our best to maintain the integrity while showcasing the uh, rich and varied history of the Lone Star State. Love that. And that does speak to the other side of the uh, selection process, aside from the individuals that serve in the Texas State Legislature that are automatically interned at the cemetery. Well, to switch gears on lightning round questions from things that are focused on the cemetery to things that are just focused on Austin, Mm -hmm. what's your favorite music venue, Jim? I'm the wrong demographic to ask that question to. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. How about Lawrence Welk? Well, you make Lawrence Welk. How about that? <laughs> okay. Or Jerry Jeff Walker. That's How about true. that? That's true. Um, favorite breakfast taco? Well, it would have to be bacon, egg, and cheese. Okay. And are you going for for convenience? Are you going for how you're feeling? Spice it up? What dictates where you pick your breakfast taco? I think it needs to have several uh, pepper icons on the menu. I think that, you know, the hotter taste-wise, the better. The better. If if your eyebrows sweat, you know that it qualifies. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. Uh, Best hidden gem. The best hidden gem, other than the Texas State Cemetery, there are so many in Austin, it's unbelievable, which is the reason that your podcast uh, should have an enormous following. You know, just a few blocks from the Texas State Cemetery is the, is the French Legation, which honors the, the French chapter of Texas history. Remember, Six Flags of Texas is not just an amusement park. There really were six flags of government over the state of Texas. Spain, France, Mexico, independent Texas as a nation, the Confederacy, and the United States. So uh, Austin is, uh, in many respects, a microcosm of it all, alongside Mm. San Antonio, of course. And Ann and I got a little bit of a taste of that on one of our walking tours. Remember that? Yes. The last question is advice for newcomers. What would you tell somebody that has just moved to Austin? Any newcomer should have and feel an obligation to learn as much as they can about their new home in Texas. Texas, Texans have a swagger about them, but I think it's entirely understandable and justified. What other state has been a country, says, for God's says sake. He, says he with zero bias. That's right, exactly. <laughs> this is my unbiased, objective, uh, you know, third-person commentary. But uh, Texans, as this interview might illustrate favorably and unfavorably, you know, Texans are known because they can have a 30-minute conversation with the wrong number. <laughs> and so there are a lot of people around who can uh, provide that Texas history lesson to a newcomer. But you, know, you don't want to uh, just arrive here with California you know, license plates and not know about where you've landed. 
because there's a there's an independent uh, mental streak in Texans. And the longer you've been here, I think that uh, uh, becomes more apparent and becomes uh, more deeply instilled. And I think that is a plus. Great way to lead. And That's finish. a great way. Yep. All right, Jim. Thank you. Thank you for being here and amplifying our knowledge on Texas history and for our listeners as well. I hope listeners that you will go visit the Texas State Cemetery and continue learning about all the characters that have helped shape the state. Um, you can find the Texas State Cemetery at 909 Navasota Street, just east of downtown. It really is a gorgeous space and it's worth a contemplative stroll. So Jim, again, thank you for your time. This was a real treat. Really appreciated it. Thank you. You're so more than much, welcome. Jim. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, Jim. We really appreciate it. Bye bye. Well, Anne, that was such an informative session. Um, one, it was really interesting to see somebody in person that I hadn't seen in 20 plus years. <laughs> um, I bet. I bet. It was so crazy um, walking up to the cemetery and being like, oh, we, we have met in past lives, which is so serendipitous. Um, but he really does, uh, he's just in a walking encyclopedia of the interned, <laughs> uh, which is wild. <laughs> this was definitely an episode for the history buffs. A hundred percent. There are going to be people who really, really love learning all of that information. And yeah. um, I know I did. I thought there are a lot of characters in there that I had not heard of. And it is just kind of nice to have a picture painted of how this crazy place all formed and came together. And all of that, he's right. It's all in this one place. Like you could do an entire Texas history year of I don't know what year it is in school that they teach but like you could just go to the cemetery every day for a week and then you'd be done exactly (laughs) exactly exactly I mean for somebody that's a newcomer or even somebody that's been here for ages there was still so much to learn about the cast of characters that are here and we didn't even get into the question that we usually ask our guests talking about culture and how it's evolving you got the taste of the evolution and that patchwork quilt of people mm-hmm. just by his stories. And so I think that that was what was so interesting to me when we were at the cemetery is you can really just drive from wherever you live in the city, go have brunch or whatever on the east side, and then go take a walk at the mm-hmm. cemetery and learn a little bit from somebody. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I think also for the political buffs, it's an interesting one because there's a lot in there that can trigger people depending on where they lie on the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's not all going to be comfortable. He was talking about Mom Pa Ferguson being populist governors and and then also having this overlay of just total scandal. corruption and scandal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought of three to five current political figures in the geopolitical landscape right now that fit that bill so well. It's just funny how history, I always say, repeats itself. And yep. these personalities that rise to power yes. tend to have so many similarities, you know? Yes. Um, and we didn't even get into some of those other political stories, which if you do go for a tour, he talks a lot about some of the political dynamics of even where people are buried in the yes. Texas State Cemetery. So that's something to ask when you when you go. 
So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was a lot of fun as always. I love doing this and I'm so grateful to Jim for his time and generosity. So that was great. Me too. And I hope everybody enjoyed and we will see you next time. We're so glad you joined us today. You can find more episodes at underthemoontower.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying our show, please tell your friends and follow us on Instagram at underthemoontower. We'd also love to hear from you. You can shoot us an email with any questions or feedback at underthemoontower at gmail.com. Under the Moon Tower was created by Carrie Mayer and me, Ann Harrington. Special thanks to Avery James for production on our podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.